This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Recently, a group of 21 tech companies came together to try and tackle a significant global problem, the trafficking of wildlife in online platforms. The companies included eBay, Facebook, Alibaba, Microsoft, Instagram, and others. And the hope is to reduce trafficking by 80% in the next three years. To discuss this movement, we are joined here in studio by Wharton Professor Eric Ortz, who is uh, also the uh, director of the Initiative for Global Environmental Leadership and co-editor of the book, The Moral Responsibility of Firms. And also with us uh, on the phone, David Hayes, who's executive director of the State Energy and Environmental Impact Center at NYU, as well as being a consulting professor at Stanford University's Institute for the Environment. And also joining us as well, uh, Crawford Allen, who's a senior director of wildlife crime and traffic at the World Wildlife Fund. Eric, great seeing you again. Thanks Good for to joining. See you too. Thank you. David, great to have you on the phone with us. Good to be with you. Thank you. Crawford will be joining us in just a second. Uh, this, this is an unbelievable story, David, in my mind, of companies coming together to try and right a wrong that we know has been out there for such a long period of time. And it's one that the various levels of law enforcement have been trying to correct, but maybe don't have enough resource. No, that's absolutely right. It, it is a terrific development, uh, and I think this wildlife trafficking arena in general uh, has brought to the fore the best uh, in terms of cooperation among uh, non-governmental uh, organizations like WWF uh, with responsible corporations uh, who recognize that, in this case, they're their platforms are being abused by traffickers. Um, they're, they are they're, they are the marketing arm of these illegal criminal syndicates that are making literally billions of dollars by selling illegal wildlife products um, uh, to unwary consumers. Uh, and the fact that um, that uh, this uh, collaboration has come together uh, and that may provide the most. Uh, important way to uh, disrupt that marketing uh, arm of the traffickers is, is is surely cause for celebration. Well, Eric, this goes right to, to, to the book that you were part of. I mean, this truly is a case uh, of firms showing a moral responsibility where wildlife is concerned. Well, I think that's really, uh, that's correct. Uh, they're probably trying to make sure that they're going to manage their reputational risk and legal liability and that sort of thing, too. But I think it is. Uh, I, I think that you're right to make that, uh, make that, make make that conclusion. And maybe David can confirm that or not, since he's been a little bit more directly involved in these um, discussions than I am. But it uh, just to place this all in context. And as you, you was, were saying at the beginning of the uh, of this seg- segment, the loss of wildlife is really one of these hidden huge issues that have been around for a long time and many people i think just when you're when you don't reflect on it or you don't have occasion to reflect on it don't realize that what we're living the the time that we are now living in is what uh is a time of what eo wilson has called the sixth greatest extinction uh period in geological time so that's not like just human history we're talking hundreds of millions of years right this period right now and it is caused by the human species inadvertently uh for the most part 
but we are expanding so much in terms of our economic footprint and uh, other activities that uh, many species are threatened with extinction. And so we really have to have an all-hands-on-deck kind of policy about that. And what I think is encouraging about this uh, uh, this initiative, which I hope will expand to include other businesses and then also governments, I guess would be my main argument for yeah. an expansion, is that uh, you have people moving forward and saying, look, this is an issue. We're involved because we have these platforms that are going to be able to uh, allow people without our knowledge to trade in endangered species parts, et cetera. And a, a quick analogy to that is the human trafficking area where yeah. – uh, a group like Craigslist came under a lot of fire because basically it was being used to advertise human trafficking, and it was difficult to trace, et cetera, but that was corrected. And so I think in this case, a lot of these companies are getting ahead of the curve on the issue, and I really hope that it expands. I'm not sure if uh, um, Facebook, others, uh, other, other, other groups that are similarly uh, involved – will also come on board, but I hope so. I hope that this will expand as we go uh, forward in time. Crawford Allen with us as well. Crawford, welcome to the show. Oh, well, thank you very much. Good morning. Good morning. So in terms of this activity, how much of it is online right now? You know, it's really hard to say globally the scale of this. All we know is from what we've been researching for the past 10 years is we've just seen an exponential growth in the level of availability. When we look at, say, a regional study, say we look at Southeast Asia, what's going on there, or say even in the U.S., our recent study looking at, the, at um, Ivory in the U.S., we found a real shift away last year from kind of ivory being sold through bricks and mortar stores through to uh, better regulation thanks to Fish and Wildlife Service but it's it, it's spilled into online. Uh, online has become the way forward now and the way that everybody is trading in wildlife because you don't have a physical presence on the ground that people can go and snoop around and investigate. They don't know where you are. You're inside the space. You can provide an anonymous persona and profile if you like in many cases um, and therefore it's hard to track down. So it's just become a no-brainer for criminals that operating in cyberspace when you've got this global market and reach where you can pretend to be anywhere in the world. Um, it's making a lot of profitable sense for them, unfortunately, at the great expense of um, some of our most precious species. So it really is growing. Um, so, for example, going back to the U.S. ivory study, we found just in a few weeks 2,000 ivory items for sale. If you look at um, the company eBay, um, the online auction house, um, they, last year alone, working with us, removed 45,000 illegal ads for wildlife from their sites alone, and those were just the ones that they found. Um, so that's kind of the scale we're talking about. So I'll ask this next question, Crawford, to you and to David. And I guess the question is, obviously, with uh, all of these companies coming on board, what, what conversations ha have you had, Crawford, or your organization had, uh, in terms of how you move this forward? Well, you know, we've got a strategy that we've developed over the years with the companies behind the scenes that we're now going public on us, which we launched last week at the um, Global Coalition to End Wildlife Trafficking Online. Um, and the strategy is, is, has got multiple parts to it. The most important thing is that the 
the different companies have a sound, consistent policy of prohibitions that their users and their enforcers are aware of and what they do and don't prohibit. And globally, we want that to be consistent because, as you know, you've heard of the so-called whack-a-mole effect, where if one site has a weak link and doesn't prohibit many products or isn't good at enforcement, then the illegal traffickers will gravitate to that um, weak spot. So the policy and the consistency of enforcement is vital. And then in terms of the enforcement, the way that happens is you have to have an enforcement team within the company that is monitoring in two ways. One is using automated algorithms, a filter system that actually prohibits um, the, actually the posting of illegal wildlife ads before they can even get, go online, or the ones that detect them if they do miss the initial filters. And then obviously the manual search as well that can go through and check things that miss the filters. And so they, those folks that are involved in that they need to have refined filters. They need to have the latest trend information of what's, what's emerging in both what's being trafficked and how they're avoiding detection online. And then they need to train their staff. And that's what we've been closely involved with. The other part there is, of course, awareness of users. And we feel that building up a kind of a global um, collective of citizens who are like-minded, who can be the eyes and ears for companies around the world. We call them wildlife crime cyber spotters. We've got a number of these volunteers already, and we want to expand that, who can actually be out there looking. Because if you think about um, one platform alone that I know has got one billion ads at any one point in time that are circulating on their platforms globally. Being able to police that is something that law enforcement really cannot handle. So we need everyday people to volunteer some of their time to keep a lookout. There's plenty of other things we can talk about as well, but I'll leave it there. All right, David, how about yourself? Well, um, what what Crawford and uh, WWF have done here with the tech companies is incredibly important, uh, and and the enforcement piece is is very significant. Uh, But as Crawford just um, referenced, there needs to be more awareness by consumers as well that uh, that they may be tricked into buying something that actually is a- aiding the extinction of a species. And in terms of the point of your show and, and the, the point that uh, responsible corporations are stepping up, there's a related, closely related exercise underway where uh, companies from additional sectors, in addition to these folks, uh, like the travel sector and uh, companies uh, like United and JetBlue and Royal Caribbean and Carnival and fashion and jewelry companies, the uh, traditional uh, users and purveyors of, of fashion uh, like ivory and coral that, that uh, lead to endangered uh, uh, species issues. Uh, um, they have all stepped up through the U.S. Wildlife Trafficking Alliance, which just in the last month, has transitioned over to uh, the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, which will introduce uh, these issues to the 160 million Americans that visit our zoos and aquariums around the United States. So we've got um, uh, about 30 uh, companies, uh, including uh, some of the founders uh, in Crawford's initiative here. eBay has been a leader here, as has Google. Um, So... This is an this is a, this is a broader part of a broader initiative that um, that in fact is what we need if we're going to get get uh, to the the very serious issue uh, the the scourge that uh, these criminal elements are are uh, visiting on our uh, on our vanishing wildlife. 
Uh, yeah, uh, just uh, this is Eric. I, I'll, I'll pick up on the, one point on that on the on the customers issue. That's it's a very important it's very important to focus also on the demand side as well as the supply mm-hmm. side of this problem, right? Yeah. So we're this is really indi- you're policing the supply and the intermediaries of those who are uh, trafficking in these the criminals who are trafficking in these. But it's really important to attack uh, demand which has to do with consumers. And so just another company to hold up in this respect, and I think we can learn lessons from that. Uh, Tiffany's, I believe, is involved, yeah. and they had mm-hmm. a, a very good experience with blood diamonds, uh, yeah. and there was an issue with that. I think they're now generally used as a, as, a ca- as, as a teaching case of how a company steps up, realizes the problem, and then says, okay, we're going to have internal policing issues, and that, but you also have to have on the other side that people know that you buy then the diamonds. Uh, if you're buying a diamond from Tiffany's, that's a positive thing. That it's not going to be a you know illegal diamond. Or, you know, it's not coming from some. It's not supporting some terrorist group in Africa. And what you similarly need to do is educate consumers on these points with respect to endangered species. And so, one area also I think I would highlight in this uh, problem, particularly, is in China, where it's somewhat difficult. One problem we have in China right now is that there seems to be a crackdown on NGOs, even uh, even international NGOs. And so you really need to educate the Chinese, too. So, for example, take rhino horns. Yeah. You know, it, it's totally scientifically invalid, but people believe that there's a connection with you know, rhino horn dust and, and sexual performance, right? So you have to educate people that this is crazy, that this is scientifically not correct, and that this practice is killing these magnificent uh, creatures. And that requires a really large educational effort, requires NGOs to be involved, and it requires uh, governments also, particularly in a a case of China, where it's very top-down, to also team up with these uh, companies and with with the big NGOs to make some make some progress on the demand side. If you you know take one other analogy, the drug trade, right? It's not enough to go down and like eliminate crops and try to stop right. the cocaine uh, trade. If you don't stop the demand, there's going to be ways. I think the same is going to be true here. You can cut down as long as there's going to be demand. There are going to be other ways. Whether if you can cut if you cut the supply entirely in the cyber area, which is a good idea. That doesn't mean you're going to kill the smuggling business if there's still a very high demand in China and the U.S. and other countries. Well, Crawford, let me let me ask you this: When you and you both mentioned eBay, and from what I read, they've been at this for quite some time right now, trying to root out some of these traffickers so that they can either well, first one, stop them from trying to sell on their site, but two, bring them to criminal prosecution. But when you think about some of the companies that are involved here. Uh, you know, obviously eBay, there's there's the, the sales component to it, but then you have Microsoft and Instagram, who maybe are not necessarily in that aspect of it, but have the technical knowledge to be able to to bring something else to the table on this uh, on this discussion. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So obviously the the approaches that need to be taken really aren't one size fits all for these companies. You've got different approaches. So an e-commerce site like eBay, it's a pretty obvious issue. It's a pretty obvious uh, way to tackle it. But then you've got other things like social media, where it is much more fluid and more difficult, where you have a lot of things like closed groups on some um, sites, where you have to try and penetrate these groups and determine what's being sold. And they may have a very um, legitimate-looking front-end selling products, but then once you get in, you do business, you get invited into the uh, the darker side of it, if you like, and into these closed groups where 
trade goes on, particularly in a lot of endangered live animals for collectors. So you need a different kind of approach and solution for them. And people, I think, are surprised that um, companies like Instagram and Facebook have stepped up uh, to join this coalition. And, and people just didn't realize that there is trafficking going on on social media. Um, Instagram took a great step forward with actually informing um, its users about the risks of, of endangered species by trafficking. So whenever they typed in um, uh, a certain hashtag uh, that they searched for, they would get an alert pop-up that would say, you know, this could be related to an endangered species. Instagram supports protecting uh, endangered species uh, and gives a warning every time. So that's quite massive when you think about the number of users globally. So there's different approaches. And if you talk about companies like Microsoft and Google, they obviously have a search function that has a shopping function to it as well. So there actually is a, is a sales and commercial element to that. Um, they're also selling ads as well, which they need to be aware of and, and monitoring too. But there is this other key piece, which is there are some of these companies that are at the forefront of technical innovation. And they coming together and discussing how to tackle the problem is actually opening some doors and opening our eyes to how we can really deal with this in the longer term and having a system that really becomes almost invincible to the, the traffickers online. It is a bit of an arms race right now with the traffickers will find a way around the current filters. So, for example, they will use images with a picture or maybe with a word typed into the image that says ivory rather than having a, a keyword within the advertisement itself. So then you have to get into the realm of, of image recognition to try and identify what's in the image rather than looking at the words. Um, and that's where we're coming together with these companies, and we're hoping to hold a, a machine learning uh, workshop in, this, in the fall, which we're hoping that Microsoft's going to host that. Um, they're very interested to do that and bring together both academia and um, the tech industry along with law enforcement, to figure out how they can be much more strategic and technical ways to try and tackle the problem for the long term. Let me, David, let me ask you this. I mean, you both have, have brought this up, uh, is the fact that obviously we're talking about corporations that are that are trying to affect change here, and obviously they're working with governments and, and law enforcement mm -hmm. officials. But what can the average consumer, I mean, it's one thing to tell people mm -hmm. that this is going on, but what can they actually do to, to try and affect change in their own right? Well, it's a really important question, and it gets to Eric's point about the demand side of the equation being so important. Um, American consumers, for example, uh, don't think of this as affecting their lives in terms of their consuming behavior. Uh, the issue of elephant and rhino killings is awful. Everyone feels badly about it, but no Americans, I would say, obviously, generalizations feel like we as American consumers have anything to do with this, this extinction uh, uh, activity, when in fact we do. You know, as Crawford just mentioned, uh, the, the, the reality is that these platforms are being used to reach American consumers. So it's, but it's, it's because Americans and many, many consumers all around the country don't understand that, that that a product they're buying is related uh, to these deaths, which is which is the point about the importance of the consumer education. And I I just want to raise uh, that earlier point about we've got Facebook, we've got Instagram. These companies actually have been very helpful to the coalition of companies and the coalition of NGOs that have been working on this issue 
uh, since it really burst on the scene with President Obama's executive order in 2013. And, in fact, we had a meeting out in Silicon Valley, the U.S. Wildlife Trafficking Alliance, with Google, with Facebook, with eBay, where we got together their social media experts, not on the Crawford side, not on the issue of looking at the platforms and trying to ferret out enforcement, but instead to come up with effective messaging to get the word out to Americans and other uh, global citizens that they have to be wary of what they're buying. So we came up with the, the uh, hashtag, Be Informed, Buy Informed, uh, the uh, thousands of tens of thousands of folks going on Royal Caribbean cruises uh, and, uh, and, and others, uh, folks on uh, JetBlue uh, trips to the Caribbean are getting uh, messages that are developed with the help of these social media companies to essentially raise awareness about the fact that your buying behavior uh, is part of this. And, and it's, it's, we need both. We need the enforcement side. We also need the education side. Yeah, there's another piece of this uh, I want to mention. It's related to the um, demand issue is the countries from which uh, these endangered species uh, products are coming. And we really have to care, uh, pay attention to the, the local economies of, in this case, we're mostly talking about African countries. And we have to look at uh, providing the means for the people who live in, near the animals that we're trying to protect so that they will have a buy-in to, um, to, to help stop the, the, the illegal trafficking. Because if you, if you can't do that, and if you, if you have people who are economically pushed to the wall and have no other reason to, uh, to support the government coming in and said, hey, these, are, these endangered species are going to be protected. And um, so you have to look on the ground, and, and, and that's, this also relates to consumers. So consumers can help this by looking at ecotourism options, for example. In some countries where these, um, these animals are living, are, you, know, become, you have to do a security check. Sometimes they're not, they haven't been as stable as they, they sometimes have been. But that can be a great uh, boon to these countries if, you are, if people are engaging in taking travel, doing safaris, seeing adding value to the local economies yeah. so that they are not then dependent on, uh, uh, on, on, on smuggling and, and, and killing the animals in order to do that. And then there's a controversial issue, another we should mention in the news, that the White House just lifted a ban on trophy hunting uh, for, um, I think, lions, elephants, and uh, Bantabaka, which is a type of antelope, and they're now going to do a case-by-case look at that. It's actually controversial, and I don't, you know, maybe maybe the experts on the on the phone have a better perspective. But sometimes it might be the case, and this is at least the White House's argument, that if you allow selective uh, hunters to come in, actually that would about you know, that provides some value, and you can help to preserve the species by having some very limited uh, hunting of animals. Uh, on the other on the other side, though, if it's just going to be case by case and no one's really going to look at this, right. you're essentially just um, licensing, wiping these uh, animals out, or, or 
or basically go doing an end run around the ban on ivory, which uh, had been a great achievement, especially getting uh, China involved in, in the last administration. So uh, that's another piece of this, though, is to look to the local African economies and make sure you are getting that involved. And maybe some of the social media companies in this initiative could also help with that. Crawford, what's your reaction to that part of it, especially the, the part about uh, the change in philosophy by the White House? You know, I'm not going to comment on that on this on this because what I'm here to talk about is what the private sector can do. Okay. Really, I mean, this issue of wildlife trafficking is very much bipartisan. The issue of trophy hunting is not about wildlife trafficking. It's about uh, a process of of allowing legal hunts. So it's not really related at all, as far as I can see, to okay. organized crime. So I just don't, I, I would deflect that to David, who's got an enormous breadth of knowledge on that area. David. Well. Um, I would say first that, uh, to, to Eric's point, uh, uh, the, the local economies uh, in uh, the range countries are incredibly important here, and I totally endorse that. Uh, and traditionally, um, there has been an argument, and there is an argument, that uh, trophy hunting uh, can uh, help uh, if money is, in fact, uh, going to conservation, and, in fact, if the target species are, are healthy as a species. Um, it, it, now, you know, full disclosure, I was the number two official of the Department of the Interior in the Obama administration in charge of Fish and Wildlife Service. We reviewed the activity in Tanzania and Zimbabwe and others and found that the trophy hunting dollars were not going to conservation and or that the, uh, the, the stocks of elephants uh, and, and other target species were not healthy enough to accept uh, hunting, particularly when it's not being run in a scientific basis. So um, it is, uh, you know, I, I am concerned about the change in direction by the administration, the lifting of the bans on hunting in, in countries like Zimbabwe and Tanzania in particular that were found not to have uh, effective conservation approaches. But, I, but like Crawford, I like to shift the argument to the to the more positive, uh, yeah. that we can inject actually more funding into these economies through ecosystem, uh, ecotourism. And, we're, and that's one of the reasons, actually, we're finding so much uptake by the ecotourism sector uh, in uh, participating in educating their, their consumers uh, about the risks of being presented by, uh, presented with illegal products to buy and to bring home uh, to the U.S. Uh, and so we're working with Expedia, for example. Uh, we're working with the, uh, uh, the Adventure Travel Tourism Association, all the travel agents that do adventure tourism. Um, as I mentioned, the cruise lines, the airlines, they're all anxious to get this information to the tourists, which actually reinforces the, the, the importance of the wildlife these folks want to see, but also raise their awareness and help on the demand side. Great having you all with us today. Thanks very much for uh, David and Crawford for joining us on the phone. It's been a pleasure. Was, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. Great seeing you again. Thank you for coming in. Good to see you as well. Thanks. Thank you. Eric Ortz from the Wharton School, David Hayes, uh, and Crawford Allen joining us on the phone. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.